1: This episode is being recorded on Thursday, October 14th, 2021. I'm your host, Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, and as usual, I'm here
0: with your co-host, Scott Wingo. Hey, Jason, and welcome back, Jason Scott Show listeners. We are smack in the middle of October, and for all of our retail listeners, you know what that means. It is go time for holiday 21. Way back in episode 277, last week, we talked about the supply chain challenges. I like to call that supply pain. And we shared the e-commerce retail forecast from Salesforce, Deloitte, and Bain. But there was one notable missing forecast from that list. And that's one of our favorites, the Adobe forecast. Well, in this episode, we're going to fix that uh, hole in the universe. We're going to fill it. And Adobe is releasing their holiday forecast uh, here on the 20th, which is when we'll be releasing this podcast. And we are really excited to have with us today, Taylor Schreiner. He is the director of Adobe Digital Insights. And fun fact, this is Adobe's fifth time on the show. Welcome back, Taylor. Thanks, Scott.
2: Do we get a free sandwich?
0: Sure. If we were there together, we would have a sandwich, but we'll, uh, we'll do a virtual high five instead. How about that? Excellent. Excellent. Just to
1: warn you, Scott's caricature is like grilled into the sandwich, so. Oh, no.
2: Some people find that unappetizing. <laughs> <laughs> I'll close my eyes. Uh, this, thank you, Scott. Thank you, Jason. Uh, it's it's great to be here. Uh, we love talking to you guys, and we love listening to you guys, so it's, uh, it's a fun conversation to have.
1: We are thrilled to have you, Taylor, and I do want to dive right in uh, to the, your methodology and then your data, but uh, before we do real briefly, remind... Um the audience, what your role is at at Adobe to sort of frame frame uh where your perspective is coming from?
2: Sure, so I run a group called Adobe Digital Insights as Scott mentioned, and we are charged with using aggregated and anonymized and opted in data to help the industry retail and other industries as well understand uh the major trends that we see in the data that comes through Adobe Analytics or Adobe Commerce or any of the other um aggregated sort of uh uh, commerce and and uh experience cloud services that we have so so our job is to to tell stories uh to to make take all that huge aggregate data and tell stories that help people understand their world
1: that's awesome and and so there there's a bunch of different components of the the adobe marketing cloud and the Adobe, adobe commerce cloud but um Sort of marquee things, uh, Adobe Analytics, which a long time ago, uh, uh, to many of us that are super old was Adobe, was Omniture, um, is a, is a key component of the analytics suite and, uh, 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 Magento is a key component of, of the marketing cloud. And so you, you get to see an awful lot of, commerce transactions across the web uh, via those two products and the rest of the the Adobe stack. And you get to use that anonymized data to sort of formulate this holiday forecast in this case. Is, do I have that right?
2: Absolutely. And I really appreciate you calling me super old. Uh,
1: I, I didn't say you called it <laughs> Omniture. I said I called I rem- it omniture. I remember
2: the Omniture days. I do. Yeah,
1: but In yes, fairness, exactly. I, I'm pretty sure there's st- like the URL for the analytics dashboard still says Omniture. <laughs> I think sometimes it does.
2: Yeah. Uh, That's absolutely right, Jason.
1: Yeah, and then uh, one important distinction: some of the the holiday forecasts that Scott uh, mentioned in the intro are actually overall retail forecasts. And one of the things that that is unique, your for- forecast is slightly more focused. You're focused on digital commerce. Do I have that
2: right? That's right. We have we have focused exclusively on digital commerce, and we're looking. What what makes us unique is that we are looking across. You know, over a trillion interactions uh, with retailers across thousands of retailers across over hundred million SKUs with a, a boatload of AI behind that sort of categorizing and understanding it. But, you know, at the core of it, I think for your listeners is we're the, we're the, the group that's actually looking at what people are buying in what quantity and what they're actually paying for it. Uh, so we're not looking at list prices. We're not doing surveys. We're actually looking at the, the behaviors that we can observe at huge scale And using that to do both our reporting and, in this case, our forecasting of the holiday season.
1: Yeah. And that's super exciting to me because I I, I frequently rail against the value of stated preference surveys in our industry. Mm -hmm. Um, And and, uh, what we're talking about today is observed preferences, actual data and consumer um, behavior
2: that you're watching. Absolutely. And uh, it's going to be fascinating.
1: Yeah. So, just two other minor precursors, and we'll jump in uh, because there is so much variability out there. When you say
2: holiday, what date range are you talking about? Good point. Right now, we're talking about the first of November till the end of the year. Although, argue we may get into it. You know, some of this stuff is starting to creep into October too. But when yeah, we talk our- about numbers, we're talking about November one to December thirty-one.
1: Perfect. We'll we'll come back to that. But yeah, I think I think the the shoulders of that season are going to be more interesting than ever. And then uh, when you say retail like uh, approximately, like what is in retail to you? Like if you go U.S. Department of Commerce, uh, restaurants and gas stations are in there. Like, do you guys have a standard definition of retail just to kind of frame what we're talking about?
2: Right, we, we generally look at anything where the transaction, the fulfillment are fully executed um, online. We exclude from this, you know, things like travel, which is a different industry or anything where it's simply a payment system online. But, you know, any any commerce where you're doing your shopping um, your, your payment and your fulfillment online generally falls into, into our space. So not restaurants or delivery services, um, but, uh, but the, the, the goods that you would normally associate with, with retail shopping outside of that. Awesome. And so digital grocery then would be in there. Yes. You say digital grocery appliances, apparel, all that kind of thing. Perfect. Okay. Well, I
1: think that's enough preamble and we've done enough teasing. Um, what's What's the top line? Are we all going to get our bonuses this year or is it going to be bleak? It's it's
2: you know Our data is showing a good year. Uh, our data is showing a year where the story is really consumers want to shop. Uh, consumers want to go buying uh, online, uh, but it's going to be a really different year for retailers and for consumers because of the supply pain that Scott was referring to earlier. Uh, they're going to see a lot more out of stock. They're going to see a lot Uh, you know, a lot higher prices, frankly. And that's, I think, going to hold us back from having an incredible year. Um, Now, just keep in mind, I'm talking about a $207 billion season, which, you know, we don't have a great uh, aggregate retail forecast that we base off right now, but that's roughly $1.04 of all all retail, as far as we can see, maybe a little more than that. And it's 10% up from last year, which, you know, In the long run of historical growth rates is a little bit low, but we're running off of a 33% jump the year before. Um, So if you kind of look all the way back to 2019, we're still accelerated from where you would have expected us to be if you've been projecting from a pre-pandemic stance. So it kind of depends on where you're looking at it from, but however you look at it, it's going to be a big year.
1: Got it. So in my mind, I sort of think of a traditional year of e-commerce growth for holiday being kind of like, like pre-pandemic. We 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 were kind of running in this like 10 to 15 percent a year sort of range. Um, and all of retail would be growing at like 4 percent a year. So then last year, the pandemic forces everyone online. We have this monster year, 33 percent. Um, and then this year you're looking for you're looking at 10 percent on top of last year's monster year.
2: That's right. That's right. It's still going to grow. It's still going to grow significantly. It's still going to grow, you know, maybe as you say, at the kind of lower bound of what we used to see. Uh, but it's it's a real, real growth rate. Now, there'll be some differences in what grows and how it grows. And we can get into that, but it, it's going to be a good year.
1: Yeah. Um, and uh, one of the things that's always funny to me is uh, I guarantee you when the the sort of superficial press get a hold of your forecast they're all going to write the story about how e-commerce is is uh, slowing way down
2: <laughs> right yeah nobody wants to talk about a two year growth rate or you know try and digest everything that's happened over over the course of the pandemic and fine um, and the, but I, you know when you step back even a little bit e-commerce has transformed over the past 20 24 months um, you know i think the bigger story is people are shopping for their groceries people are shopping for their furniture you know, folks out here in Berkeley are buying compost online. The way that people engage with e-commerce has radically transformed over the course of the pandemic. And that's here to stay. And that's the basis of that growth. Um, And that, you know, that's the part that really has accelerated uh, over the course of COVID. So if you want to look at a particular growth rate and say it's slowing down, fair enough. Uh, But I don't think, for instance, you know, uh, I don't want to make predictions into 23, but I don't think this 10% growth rate in 22 is telling you that 23 is going to be slow. I think it's more of a balancing out between 2020 and 2021.
1: Yeah. And again, like this still means e-commerce is almost certainly growing faster than brick and mortar. It, oh, yeah. it still means the whole industry is still growing um, in a in a very disruptive year. Um, I do want to like maybe double click on COVID just for a second because this was the big open question when we were all living through the first half of the pandemic. Um, <laughs> was sure everybody's turning to e-commerce. People don't want to go to the stores. Um, there's there's health and safety issues. They're all there are all these open things. So not surprising that it drove more people online. A big question at that time was. Is this just an acceleration of a trend and this is going to be the new normal or will those people all be desperate to go back to the store and resume and back to the mall and kind of resume their pre-pandemic shopping behaviors? And my read of your data says, no, 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 we're locking in all those changes that happened last year and then we're we're growing at a pretty healthy clip from there. Is that a fair way to be thinking about it or am I
2: wrongheaded, as Scott usually points out? Uh, no, in this particular case, you happen to be right. Uh, the, the that's absolutely true. I mean, if you look at the aggregate growth, um, I think it tells exactly that story. That it, it it is we're 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 banking all the gains that you got through COVID, and then we're growing on top of that. I think the, uh, one other stat I, I think it really tells this story is our buy online, pick up curbside um, data, which you know followed that trajectory you talked about, Jason, of getting up there as we got into the pandemic and retailers adjusted. We have a, we have a uh, set of retailers where we look at the median uh, portion of their online uh, purchase, online orders that are fulfilled uh, curbside, and that ramped right up you know last year with all of its fulfillment challenges ramped right up right before Christmas to about 25 percent. We thought that's a, that's a high peak, right? We got into April of this year and it had gone right back up to 25%. People are still going and picking up curbside. That's a habit that they're in. They're shopping online and fulfilling. Uh, next to the store, and we expect that to hit a whole new record. Frankly, as we go into this year, so it's a it's a habit that people have gotten into, and they're they're not letting go of. Wow!
1: And if, uh, this is from memory, but I want to say last year you guys said that while well, e-commerce grew at thirty three percent. The the BOPA segment or the curbside pickup segment grew way faster than that. It was like one hundred and ninety five percent.
2: Yeah, I don't have it off the top of my head, but it's something like that. It, it was it was significant, and um, and this year's going to be uh, going to be crazy. And you know, anecdotally, you know, I, there are a number of stores where I think, hey, I, I really like this. I'm, I'm not going to set foot in a number of those. Uh, I'll shop with them, but I'm not going to set foot in them again for a while if I don't have to. Um, this is great for me.
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's uh, maybe only partly analogous, but I, I talked to a lot of of um, restaurants and you know, they, they had the same thing, right. They sold, they sold meals, but it was all off-prem consumption. And, and, you know, the restaurants that had the biggest intrinsic advantage were ones with drive throughs And Mm -hmm. I've talked to an awful lot of restaurateurs that are like, if I could wave a magic wand and make my dining room go away and have a more robust drive-thru, I would do it because that's the customer that, that appears to be the long-term customer preference.
2: Yeah. I think, and I think a lot of uh, retailers who've got, good real estate are, are obviously having to rethink, you know, how much of this is a, you know, a distribution center and how much of this is a, is a, is a shopping experience. And, you know, it's, it's going to be different than it was two years ago for sure.
1: Yeah. And then I guess the one other sort of observational thing I've noted is, um, yeah. So, you know, our store is going to get people to walk back in the store to pick up those digital orders or are they going to continue to pick them up at curbside and, you know, one who knows, but one clue, um, is pre-pandemic walmart had these in-store lockers these robotic lockers this cool tower in all all their stores um and they've de-installed all of those towers and they're now doing a national remodel with a much more robust curbside picking lot parking lot right mm-hmm. so it, it it seems very clear in walmart's case that they're saying hey the you know this isn't just a reaction to the pandemic this is a you know a permanent infrastructure change we're making to to make uh to eliminate in-store pickup and uh make curbside pickup more robust
2: i think that's right i think that is is likely the trend i think you know there's a lot a lot of the hassle of of uh shopping that you're removing with uh shopping online and, and picking up at the store is is that last not mile i mean the last you know Hundred feet, hundred yards of going in there and getting in the in the line or whatever. If you can just sit with your app and check your email while, some, while somebody puts stuff in the trunk, that's a, a lot of a lot of value add there. So I would expect that to be continue to be the trend.
0: Well, as uh, as I introduced, I'm kind of keenly aware or, or following the supply chain stuff, and um, I noticed in in the front of your presentation, you know, one of the bullets is unprecedented out of stock levels. Have yeah. you guys? Um, can you share, like, you know, what you think that's going to be? And is there any way to put a number on that? Like, your num- your your forecast would have been, you know, twice as big if it wasn't for this, or or you just guys mm-hmm. are just flagging it as mm, the sad's risk to the holiday.
2: It's a it's a fair question. It's something we think a lot about. I mean, it's it's really hard to characterize, um, and we frankly just need more more time with the with the data. I, mean, I don't mean time to think about it, but time series data to really understand how out of stock alters people's shopping behaviors, whether they abandon or whether they, to the extent to which they they redirect themselves. Um, what I will tell you is that, you know, going into, uh, if you look at sort of 2019 as the, as the normal, it was growing. I mean, people were getting more out of stock items, uh, more of stock hits over time, maybe, you know, creeping up toward 50 or 100% more, even over the course of the year, and then the pandemic hits. And, you know, people are five times uh, more likely, basically four and a half to five times more likely to get an out of stock message. And that's today. That's not necessarily going into holiday where things could get more challenging. Um, so that could go up. Where we see it often is in most often is in apparel. Um, so again, you know, I think it's going to affect different categories differently. Uh, out of stocks and apparel can be, uh, you know, if you're looking for a particular pair of sneakers or, uh, particular, you know, uh, this is on the 20th. So I won't mention what was buying for my wife, but something, you know, a vest or something, right. That is, um, her birthday's on the 23rd. So I don't want to tell her what, what's, what I was shopping for. Anyway, the, you know, she you, you might not get that. Sorry. Is your wife a listener? Uh, I really <laughs> doubt it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, no, um, but yeah, you, you might get redirected to something else. Whereas, you know, in, in electronics, for instance, we see, you know, a lot of chip shortages, but um, but price is a, a bigger factor in in some of that uh, marketing and decision making. And so you're able to you see uh, you know apparel prices creep up a little bit, but a lot of out of stock. You see um, for instance, electronics prices uh, creep up a lot from what we would have expected, uh, but uh, that that has reduced the out of stock challenges that they've faced.
0: Got it. So. So it's hard to put a quantity quantify on at this point. Maybe you think after the holiday, you guys will be able to quantify. I, I it think it'll be or? easy.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we have a clear estimate of what things might've looked like before. I think after the holiday talk to us in January, we can, um, we'll, we will have a better sense of how this played out this holiday season. One of the challenges that, that uh, I think is out there is it, it's not clear uh, yet. How much out of stock uh, consumers are really going to see this season Based on, you know, when retailers are running uh, promotions, how they're stocking us, those promotions, how they're managing their, their uh, portfolio of goods. So um, we'll have to see, but it's something that, yeah, have me on in January. We'll talk about it.
0: Okay. Yeah. It's going to be more of a chess game because, you know, the retailer, um, they have the only information about what they have and what they can expect and and then matching that to the promotional calendar this year is going to be interesting and playing a little game of chicken with the consumer too, because the consumers should be reading about this a lot. So it's going to be fascinating to watch, watch how that plays out. Yeah. I've
2: been recommending to consumers, frankly, to make two lists, you know, say, look, you've got one list of things where, I know I want this for the holidays and you got to buy it early because um, you might worry about your, your out of stock situation. And then another set of goods where you think, Hey, you know, if this doesn't come through or if I don't get specifically the the version of this that I want, you know, if I don't get this TV, but I get a different brand TV, I'm, I'm okay. And then those things you can really shop for on the major sale days. Um, but it's, you know, it's gonna be. It's a lot of a lot of work for the retailers to figure out how this game is going to play out, and frankly, it's gonna be a lot of work for consumers to figure out how how they're gonna address it.
1: Yeah, um, I guess one of the ways I I think about this, it's important to remember that out of stock does not automatically mean lost sales. Like a lot right. of times, there's a a customer's first choice, but the they'll make on the fly substitutions or switches when they discover something's out of stock. So we still capture that that sale. And it, it, it seems like all like, you know, all the people forecasting retail sales for this holiday are pretty robust numbers. You're coming in with a pretty ro- robust number. Everyone's mm-hmm. saying we're not going to find a uh, consumer's first choice of goods. So the sort of logical conclusion here is the consumer's in a spending mood. Um, when I go to the store to get uh, baby Grogu for Scott for Christmas mm-hmm. and it's out, um,
2: Scott's going to have to settle for some cool dune toy that I find. Hey, students, really cool. Uh, the, the, um, I think you're absolutely right. And I think maybe the way to answer Scott's question directly is, you know, in the face of this rapidly increasing out of stock uh, that we're seeing, at least, you know, up to the 5x of what we saw in 2019, we have still seen really impressive growth uh, this year, uh, especially over 2019. So, so far, whatever headwind it is, is not super significant. Um, now I think, you know, the experiment that we'll be able to look at is if this starts to spike as we go into the holiday season, if retailers have a hard time matching, you know, their inventory with, with consumer demand, then, you know, that, that might have a bigger impact and that there'll be something we can look at more closely.
1: Yeah. So, uh, you alluded to some of the categories and I have a feeling that the, um, that both out-of-stocks and the impact of out-of-stocks could play out very differently in different categories, right? Like, if, if mm-hmm. uh, someone goes to the grocery store and we're out, they're out of your preferred brand of toilet paper, like, you're probably going to switch to another toilet paper. But if there's a particular luxury fashion item or a particular toy that little Johnny has asked for for Christmas— um, you might be more inclined to hunt harder for that product, or defer that purchase and get it later, or something like that, right? Is,
2: does that make sense? Absolutely, yeah. And, and you know, grocery out of stocks are you know not not at all infrequent with your particular goods at a particular moment. And then apparel is you know something. I don't know about the rest of you, but I've gotten pretty acclimated to the notion that I'm not necessarily going to be able to find the size and the color I'm looking for on the first try. That it's it's quite quite possible I'll have to hunt around. But, you know, there's a lot, there are a lot of style choices that go into that. Um, whereas I think, you know, if you're looking for, a, uh, you know, um, something specific, as you say, uh, you know, for a particular, um, particular toy or gift, you know, you might have to hunt different retailers to go find it, but you might be willing to do that. Exactly. Well put. Yeah. And, uh,
1: so when you roll all that up, are there any categories in your mind that end up being clear winners or clear losers for holiday?
2: Well, you know, I think the, it's, it's, it's a good question. The, the, um, clearly where we've seen growth is where we've seen the clearest growth in the holiday and in e-commerce in general has been in the things that are not uh holiday specific. So groceries, apparel, those kinds of things have really grown. Um, and we continue to see them grow. So in some sense, they are the e-commerce winners because they've really, Absorbed the, um, uh, you know, absorbed the the COVID changes that have happened. I think what's going to be very successful early on are going to be you know these deals that get spread out around electronics and other gifts uh, and an apparel. Uh, we expect to see those win out very well. I've got my eye though on um, non-physical goods, things like uh, downloadable games and things like that that happen. Uh, that, that might uh pop up toward the uh christmas season as people are looking to deliver something that is uh, a great experience especially for kids uh that isn't going to be constrained by by shipping challenges and then you know i don't know where to put my bets this year because i've got my eye both on the demand that i see in a lot of things like gaming consoles that are looking great uh but also on you know there's a big question mark over over uh, supply challenges and how that'll play out for them so um, I would be cautious and spread my bets, but, uh, but electron, you know, the the traditional gift areas are going to do really well. And apparel seems to be continuing to take off, uh, very strongly in what we've seen so far.
1: Yeah. Um, so, uh, you, uh, the non-physical thing is super interesting ordinarily in holiday, like as you get closer to the end of the year and you kind of hit shipping cutoffs. And last year we talked about a lot about ship again, and, and you know bottlenecks at UPS and FedEx and all of that uh you know retailers pivot to trying to sell intangible products pretty hard right and most mm-hmm. notably gift cards um so i i imagine that with the the inventory situations this year that that's going to be more prominent than than ever that you know if you you can't find the the toy you really want you know it, it might be an iou you're getting at holiday in the hopes of getting it in january or february Uh, But there is a new kind of intangible that kind of didn't exist last year and is having a little bit of moment. And I have a feeling Scott's way more into it than I am. But like, is uh, does all do all of these out of stocks kind of play into the 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 um, NFT kind of hype this year? Do you think that we could start to see some of them on the on the holiday wish list?
2: I think, I think NFTs still have a, a ways to bleed into, uh, you know, consumer experiences and consumer expectations that I, I see a lot of reading and not a lot of, not a lot of buying, but if people can figure out how, uh, if, if retailers can figure out how to make, you know, kind of cross that chasm and, and figure out how to make it a real consumer experience, then yeah, I think there's a lot of opportunity there uh, for that. And, you know, and speaking of things that are not necessarily tangible and expire or, or unique. You know, we don't forecast travel into our um, into our data, but we do look at travel. And right now, you know, prices uh, for for plane tickets are about thirteen percent less than they were on average uh, in twenty nineteen. So, you know, depending on how vaccinations and mask mandates and travel restrictions all play out, there may be a push um, if knockwood COVID gets better for more experiential, um, uh, experience driven options for for people to give as gifts too.
0: One of the things that I've been really intrigued by, and, and this is because some of the companies have gone public, but this buy now, pay later, and I saw you called it out, and I've seen a lot of the Wall Street analysts, uh, you know, as as a for my generation, I look at it and I'm kind of like, you know, why don't I just put that on the credit card? What's interesting is I've seen this whole generational thing where uh, millennials and Gen Zers they're looking at it as they associate the credit around the item. They don't like kind of having an open credit, and they want it to be around a specific item. What What are you guys seeing as it relates to the BNPL movement?
2: Well, we we love new acronyms, right? BNPL. Uh, no, I have exactly the same experience you do, Scott. Where I think, why, why exactly would you do this? But um, we had, we got two sources on this. One is we looked at the actual data that we see flowing through our systems, and we saw you know skyrocketing uh, last year of. Uh, of buy now pay later behavior, we saw about forty four percent growth over the course of the year. Weeks that slowed a little bit in percentage terms as we went through this year, but you know, as we get back into the holiday season, I have every reason to expect that to to reaccelerate. And you saw uh, quite the distribution too of of you know sources of this as uh, some retailers got into this business, a lot of financial institutions got started to play in this area. So there's a lot more more options. We saw those. We saw the the minimums for buy now, pay later come down from those institutions, and simultaneously, we actually saw consumers spend more or put put bigger purchases on buy now, pay later. And when we surveyed about it, we 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 saw what you were alluding to, Scott. This is a generational difference in the way that people um, manage and even think about what credit really is. And what was striking to me is that the top category that folks told us that they were um, interested in using buy now, pay later for was was clothing, Um, that they were making those kind of purchases and and spreading them out over time because they were uh, lumpy uh, in their year. And then they were spreading that out across their income without affecting their credit. Um, Now, electronics was obviously on that that set too. You're going to buy your television um, as televisions get bigger and more expensive or cheaper, but bigger. Uh, But what was the third category that I thought was fascinating was groceries. Um, and not, uh, you know, again, when we dug under that, that wasn't just people. It wasn't generally people saying, look, I've got a week's worth of groceries and i want to spread this payments out over four weeks. Um, that's hard to make sense of, but, but more, you know, I'm throwing a party or I'm having an event. Um, and I have a spike in my grocery budget and I want to, I want to smooth it. Um, so it, it is a, it's, and then, and they were everyone was managing it sort of separately from this notion of having a lump of credit card debt they had to manage, versus a purchase they had to think about and 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 pay off. Um, those are two really different categories. So it is it's a it's a really different way of thinking about credit that's manifesting in buy now pay later, and and it it seems to continue to be growing uh, at a significant rate.
0: Yeah, do you think? You know, the, the pitch that a lot of these, so the, the two big companies are, um, well, there's three, there's Affirm, Klarna, and Afterbuy, and I'm sure there's more. Um, I think even like Shopify is coming out with their own and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, their pitch to retailers is it bumps up your cart size, right? Um, do you think, it, is this going to be a factor this holiday and are, is it going to bump up the, the ASP, you think, or, or still too small to be a meaningful consideration?
2: You know, when we when you average across the the enormous event that is the holiday season, I don't think we're going to see average order values or average basket uh, uh, values go up significantly uh, or noticeably, or, or more to the point, maybe off trend of what we've seen in the past. That said, you know, I think if if these retailers are thinking about their customer bases more granularly, and they're thinking, well, I've got a, a group of folks who I can actually juice where I can juice up their their basket sizes and their their purchases by offering that. I think that probably is true. And, you know, as with these kind of generational shifts, it may make a difference in the longer term um, as you, as you change consumer buying habits um, it may, it may open up a door for that generation as uh, incomes increase and and time goes by. So I think it's probably more of a long-term play when it comes to aggregate uh, average order values, but uh, for specific, uh, audiences for specific customer bases. I think it may make a difference.
1: Yeah. It's, it's going to be interesting. You know, there's a, a payment method that historically has been really popular on holiday that, you know, uh, uh, rich people that listen to e-commerce podcasts don't tend to think about, but it's layaway. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I like one of the interesting trends, uh, you know, Walmart, which does a very robust layaway business, it ha- retired their layaway this year in favor of a, a buy now, pay lay, later service.
2: Yeah, I remember the I remember the layaway uh, shelves at, at uh, Toys R Us when I was a kid and just seeing them, seeing all these items sit there waiting for people to pay for them. Uh, but if you can uh, you'll know get the same effect. Uh, and uh, both for the consumer on their credit and for the retailer in terms of you know getting paid, um, then it's certainly more enticing for the customer to actually get the item rather than wait for it.
1: No, for sure. I, I do like two sad things. There was kind of a fun tradition because of layaway. Um, uh, some very kind people would often go into a retail store and pay everyone's layaway. Mm. And it was kind of uh, the, this like secret Santa thing. And, you know, it, it, it would happen every year. There would be lots of these cool stories. So I, I worry uh, we're, we're going to miss out on that, which, you know, probably isn't isn't hugely meaningful, but it's sad to me. Um, but the other thing that worries me a little bit about holiday, I do think like based on your growth forecast, like this is going to be a bunch of consumers first experience with these buy now, pay later services and I would still say there's a lot of consumer confusion because, like, I look at the landscape of these services and the the spectrum is very broad. There are, you know, some kind of thinly veiled payday loan operators mm-hmm. that are, you know, charging, like, huge interest and late fees and all these things on one end. And then there's there's some, like, really generous programs that are very popular in here that, that don't charge interest and don't have late fees and, you know, is sort of a... um uh, very very low cost, and so it it it. I'm not sure consumers are going to be savvy enough to differentiate all of those for this holiday. I I know Target in particular is offering two different buy now pay later options, and I, like consumers are going to have to learn how to shop for those vendors now.
2: I, I think that's absolutely right, Jason. It's it's very hard, you know. It's sort of an unstructured product that can have a lot of different attributes. And it's not like a credit card where you you we've we've sort of reduced it to something like credit limit and interest rate, right? With some with some bells and whistles. And it's also not it's not even something that consumers know how to frame necessarily. Like I, I certainly didn't when I got into the space. What is this? What do these payments mean? What is the penalty if I miss the payment? Um, you know, what are my other options? You know, how are we going to communicate? How are you going to get paid? What information do you need? How's it affect my credit score? Uh, it's a lot to think about. And uh, it's going to, you know, um, thinking has a lot of costs, especially when when consumers are shopping this quickly. So, you know, I think we'll have a, a reckoning, not a reckoning, but a, a, a moment to pause and, and reflect on how this all evolved. When we get to the holiday season, um, it, we'll, we'll see some things shake out, I would imagine.
1: Nice. Well, let's pivot to something near and dear to my heart—the uh, that we alluded to up top, uh, the shape of holiday. So there, there's two mm. um, parts of this that are super interesting to me. Um, ordinarily, when we talk about holiday, we're we're laser focused on these five days at the end of November—the uh, Turkey Five or the—I think you guys call them <laughs> the Cyber Five.
2: Yeah, they're, they're my wake up at three AM five, so I have I, I hold them in a different regard, um, but they are. Um, you know, the story that, you know, when we would talk to you guys before uh, before the pandemic would always be, you know, hey, this the the season is growing, but these big days are growing faster. Retailers are concentrating, you know, competing and concentrating their deals on those days. And we're seeing retail consumers follow suit and they're expecting those deals on those days. You know, that really flipped around last year. I mean, we had a massive growth last year, about 30 like odd percent, 33 percent for the season. But the individual days were growing in the sort of low 20s. They were growing about 10 percent slower than the, the season as a whole. And we expect that again this year. We expect the season to grow at about 10 percent. We expect the big days to grow about five ish percent. Now, to be clear, they're going to break records. I mean, we're going to have an 11 plus billion dollar day on Cyber Monday. We're to, you know Black Friday is going to going to inch up close to 10 billion. Thanksgiving is going to be you know over five at a level that we used to call you know used to be Black Friday numbers. It's going to be massive. But both because retailers are spreading out the deals uh, for supply and fulfillment reasons, and because consumers have really shifted what it means, what e-commerce means. In other words, they've established a sort of water level of shopping for things that are not holiday and promotionally driven. Um, you know, those percentages are harder to move uh, than they used to be. So yeah, it's, it's going to be, they're going to be big days. They're going to be huge. Uh, That last hour before the end of cyber Monday, we're going to see $12 million move through the system in a minute. So um, every minute, so it's going to be big, but it's going to be a different pattern, especially I think from the retailer's perspective than we've seen uh, in the past.
1: Interesting. And do you have a feel for like how much of like, I think you hit on the two reasons for it. Like one is the large, large numbers. They're already huge. Huge numbers and and you yep. know frankly in some cases like you just can't squeeze more goods through the the, right. the funnels um, on on those days and then the other one is changing consumer patterns and and just you know more general e commerce consumption on every other day of the month and all, all those other things like it, I'm assuming it's a blend of both of those but but is uh, is this year more prominent that people are going to be holiday shopping on other days or do you think we've just
2: yeah I, it, it, it's it's hard it's a hard call I think what's unusual about this year is really the retailer side I mean you could imagine a world where with fewer supply constraints where retailers are more willing to put big sales on those big days and compete for eyeballs and for dollars um so maybe you know maybe there's a new normal where that changes but what I don't think is changing is that consumers are now permanently going to be in a state uh, where e-commerce is more and more available to them where you know, maybe they're at home. Certainly, their phone is a, is increasingly a, an easy easy place to go shopping, and so all this concentration on these days is is going to make less and less sense to them in terms of you know shopping behaviors. If you go back, on, you know, the, the origin of these days is really about you know, sitting outside a a, a big box and and camping out and trying to get deals because you had to go in person. But if you don't, if you if 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 it's less and less the case that you actually have to go get things um, then it becomes easier and easier to spread out your, your purchases over time. And if you're always shopping online, you're not, you know, which is sort of the complete opposite of what, you know, going, going into the office for cyber Monday to go shopping, which is what some of us used to do, then, you know, you're much more open to these deals and to opportunities that, um, that retailers can offer you, uh, throughout the season. So that part's not going away. That's a great point.
1: Um, so, so then let's, let's, uh, zoom out a little bit, uh, you guys are counting holiday as November one through December 31st. A lot of retailers would definitely include January in their holiday season. Um, Again, there are a lot of, you know, gift cards and returns and people, you know, uh, come in with that return and they buy more stuff. So, so January normally is a good month. And then this year, the deals started in October, right? Like Amazon started black Friday deals on October 4th. Target started them on October 10th. Um, I think sort of uh boosted because of the supply chain concerns, retailers are fighting really hard to start holiday shopping in October. And because all the stuff we really want is stuck on a boat off the coast of, of uh Long Beach, we might not get it until January or February. So with all of that supply chain squishiness. To, like, is there like what you know? Uh, it, it, <laughs> what do we see? holiday in November and December, but is it e- even a like the rate of growth is even bigger if you were to kind of you know re- redefine holiday as as uh, uh, October
2: through February? Yeah, I, I, look, I mean, I think the way that shows up in our data is that we see a we so far have seen a very strong uh, October. Uh, we've seen a very strong October in terms of overall e-commerce growth. Not not on par with. Uh, you know, the, the big holiday months, but, but it's, you know, we're, we're looking at, you know, roughly that 10% year over year, a little bit more for October. So it's a good sign. Um, the, what we're also seeing though, is uh, we're keeping a close eye on prices. And as I said, we're see, we see data at the transaction level um, and it gives us a particularly unique view into, into prices. And we're going into, you know, September, uh, our digital Price index, which is the, of the basket of goods that we see purchased online through retail, was up 3.3 percent over last year. You know, less than the CPI was up last month, but um, still up really significantly. And, and, and for context, up until the pandemic, we had never seen digital inflation. It had always we'd always seen prices going down on par on about five percent, uh, order of about five percent. So um, you know, people are going into this season with higher prices. There will be some discounts, but we uh, in October. But I don't think they're going to make a dent in that inflation yet. And frankly, from what we've seen historically uh, over the other holidays of this year, um, we expect to go in with higher prices for for goods in general, and we expect discounts to be significant, but a little bit shallower than they were at their uh, last year at their deepest point. So consumers may be paying you know significantly more this year on a Black Friday for a A particular item than they were, they would have been uh, last year on that same date. When you add all that up,
0: interesting. The uh, so I know we're up against time, so a little lightning around here. Uh, It wouldn't be a Jason and Scott show if we didn't talk about Amazon. Any any tea leaves on Amazon?
2: So we are we assiduously avoid commenting on uh, particular retailers uh, for a number of reasons, but um, everybody's going to have a good year, I would imagine,
0: this year yeah my my theory is if the supply chain matters amazon's amazon walmart and and you know maybe target are so dialed in on that that it gives them a bit of an advantage and could hurt the small guy this year but we we'll, we'll see how that plays out
2: well I, I do think the large versus small is a good good framing of that the um you know Bigger retailers in an out of stock, in a world with out of stocks have more options to uh, to offer and, and and complete a sale than than small retailers who may see their carts more more likely to be abandoned. I think that's a significant factor.
1: Yeah. Okay. So then the next lightning one is uh you you talked a little bit about inflation. You talked a little bit about like discounting not having to be quite as deep. How does that all wash out in terms of profitability? Like, do, do retailers make more money on fewer sales this year? Or does do all these supply chain costs eat it up and and it's, in, you know, thin margins?
2: Yeah, I well, so I think margin management is going to be a whole different game. Uh, and retailers have already had to think a lot about that this year. That, you know, the top line is going to be bigger per item. So you're going to get more revenue. But I don't see that really being driven by... Um, some kind of uh, margin maximization behavior. It seems to be largely driven by increasing, uh, you know, increasing costs of goods. And so, you know, I don't see a real gap set, opening up between uh, increasing costs and uh, or and uh, increasing revenue to to create a, a giant chunk of margin
0: there. About um, anything on device trends, any news? It's kind of gotten to be a bit of an old story that yeah, you know, the smartphone is overtaking the desktop.
2: There is a little bit of news. Um, it's kind of fascinating. So we that's that's a if you looked at the share of, of revenue that was going through smartphones um, from 2014 till you know even into the pandemic, you could have basically drawn a straight line. I mean, it was a it was a sort of early college regression experiment that, that would have been super easy for for first years to do. Um, that's changed a little bit. Uh smartphones are still gaining share. Don't get me wrong. They're still growing faster than desktop in terms of the revenue that's coming through them, but ever so slightly more slowly than they than they used to. And it may be an indicator that uh in America at least, we may be headed toward um an equilibrium that looks more like a sort of 50-50 world between desktop and, and uh, phones, which is obviously really different than you know some other parts of the world where that's maybe you know 80-20 or 90-10
1: uh you 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 heard it here first it's it's going to all come down to when apple delivers those new laptops that were just announced oh right yeah
2: <laughs> i got to expense that so i can you know make exactly part of our, if we part get our, our new analysis. laptops
1: in time then we're all shopping on our laptops otherwise we're all shopping on our phones
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly um
1: but uh listen taylor we could talk all day i know uh you're in super high demand this this time of year and and you know quite frankly not in demand at all the rest of the year so i'm sure we'll talk yeah. again when you're when you're less popular. Exactly. Uh, but uh, th- this was awesome. We really appreciate your time. As always, if, if folks uh, want to continue the conversation or have questions, you can hit us up on, on the Twitter or the Facebook page. And uh, as always, if, if you got value out of the show, we sure would appreciate it. If you'd go on to the iTunes and give us that five-star Christmas review. That's what and I'm going to do,
0: Jason. Awesome. We appreciate it. If uh, that's our your gift to us uh, and it's digital, so we don't have to worry about supply pain. Um, if uh, uh, I think in past years, you guys have set up kind of a cool holiday news hub. Is is that something you're going to do this year? And, and uh, where, we'll, where will we find that?
2: It, it will be there. Um, I need to get you the, the URL. We can put the URL in, in a link to this. If you guys are watching this online, I will make sure you guys have it before we, uh, we go out there. But yes, there will, it will be there.
0: All right. We really appreciate the time.
2: All right. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate Scott. really appreciate Jason. Happy to do this anytime. Uh,
1: We we appreciate you, Taylor. And until next time, happy commercing.
0: You've been listening to The Jason and Scott Show. For all the latest news and trends on e-commerce and shopper marketing, subscribe to us on iTunes or visit www.jasonandscott.com.